It's a mini-sode. What's a song you like listening to these days? Uh, I'm Katie Rich, and I'm going to go with the Raffi classic, uh, Down by the Bay, because it encourages <laughs> you and your children to learn about things that rhyme, and it really makes you think about what rhymes with fox uh, or cat and come up with something interesting for it. Can I classic. asterisk that answer and just point people to the um, Vulture New York Magazine interview with Raffi from a few years back where they... I believe they try and dig into the origins of that song and that the the writer of it believes that it's actually a song about old, like a soldier coming back from war. And she has this whole theory and it's a great theory. And then Rafi's like, nope, uh, not not to my knowledge. (laughs) So I would recommend reading that. Now you talk, Patches. Is my turn? Oh, fuck. Okay, <laughs> hi, it's Matt Patches. Um, what is my answer? I'm not, I'm not listening to a lot of songs right now because I'm doing so much uh, writing, so I don't listen to, to songs. So I'm going to have to Humble point out an, an entire, uh, entire album of uh, cover songs, Stephen Sondheim cover songs, especially if you watch the uh, Sondheim uh, birthday special. You might be into this. It's called Liaisons, Reimagining Sondheim for the Piano. It's an entire album. Sondheim songs there's like 40 tracks and it's all just piano covers diff- by uh, arranged by different composers it rules is that peaceful listening or is it a little oh, bit yes. hectic oh yes no 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 it's very peaceful okay especially if you know the melodies of Sondheim songs you'll love hey it's me David the Seven and Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer <laughs> more <Sure>. succinct <laughs> uh, I am David Ehrlich, and this pick might be a little bit on the nose, but it's true. I've been listening to Talking Heads' Road to Nowhere a lot recently. What's on the nose about that? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine, too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, and and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's It's a podcast. Uh, Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 298 and a half. It's pandemic eight. It's the week of Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. That was the day that in 1932, the first episode of One Man's Family aired on NBC Radio. That was the longest-running dramatic serial on U.S. radio, and ended in 1959. That's a long time. Is that Tim years? Allen's show? What is that? Yeah. yeah. Tune in next week. Oh, oh, oh. I did not know we were going to get a classic Tim Allen grant. <laughs> and then, um, and I was just went, about to say Tim Allen should play Santa Claus, but then I realized <laughs> when Home Alone was I never really adapt- put that together. Not Home Alone. When uh, Home Improvement was an adaptation of One Man's Family, everyone was surprised you couldn't see the neighbor's face. They're like, I've been imagining him with a face this whole time. Damn you, radio. Grumpy radio serial listeners. <laughs> uh, we should say, friend, this is going to be a short episode because uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm tired and just needed a slight break. But we figured, uh, I don't know. I've been enjoying checking in with you guys in the pandemic. I think listeners have, too. So we decided to do a quick episode, see how we're all doing. Um, but first, we do have a review. Let's go ahead and share it. Uh, we do have one review. Let's Let's share it. Uh, it's from Joanna T, not to be confused by Joanna Robinson, with Joanna Robinson. Joanna Tobinson. Um, it's spelled <laughs> differently as well. It's Joanna Tobinson, her, her alter ego, uh, who gives us five stars despite a uh, headline for her review that says, The Whitest and Straightest, which ordinarily, in, in this climate anyway, I would think would lead to no stars. Uh, hello, Katie, Dave, David, and Patches. 
who is the only one I don't follow on Twitter. Sorry. Okay, I'm just going to pause there. That's It's not like an incidental as she she's writing this she's realizing she doesn't follow you on twitter it's like a conscious choice that she's made and she refuses it's to me? <laughs> it's you, I, think. Me? I mean I, you were the last one named okay. um i could oh. be eating crow here but uh um you know forgive patches a follow he tweets about the dark universe all the time a he's got lot. a biggest article coming up you know it's all it's all fun uh i have been listening to the podcast for a long time and at the beginning of this year, I noticed that this is the whitest, straightest podcast I subscribe to. Dave Seven input is not enough sometimes. I decided to leave this review after the discussions of Crash and Brokeback Mountain really hammer these points home for me. <laughs> Love the podcast, and I'm happy it survived my unconscious, slow removal of all the straight white male podcasts. You know, <laughs> I have to say, I am honored. Uh, that we were able to uh, withstand the great culling of 2020. You're the uh, last straight white male left alive. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think on the Kinsey scale, collectively, this podcast is probably closer to the middle than the, than the either end. Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I do listen, I like most of the podcasts I listen to, I don't think are all dudes, but whenever I do come across one, I'm like, oh, there's a whole like tone and world of like dude podcasts that, I don't think we're part of, and I don't tend to listen to. Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, huh. I never really think about it. The the only podcast I listen to that's entirely hosted by men is Blank Check, and they have frequent guests of all shapes and sizes. Uh, But most of the podcasts I listen to, I think of as kind of hostless. Because, you know, it's like Radio Lab, which is hosted by two men, or like This American Life, or Nerds All Over the Place. We don't typically have guests, we might say. Yeah extremely anyway i think i did I just recommend for, a sondheim cover album i don't know what that's what i that's what i meant at the top of this uh this commentary but um i uh i would still like to thank uh joanna t for continuing to listen uh we are privileged to be well privileged because we're white and, and straight but also <laughs> privileged to uh be the white and straight podcast that you still listen to so thank you uh, please leave us a review on Fighting in the War Room on iTunes. Uh, we will be happy to read it on the show. You know, actually, as I do this, I remember seeing a tweet from a listener named Julian Flores earlier today uh, who wrote, Hey, pod crew, I tried to submit a review a couple times but haven't seen it post. Might be a moderating thing. I did use an expletive in a good way, so I thought that could be the problem. <laughs> Either way, let me know if you see something from me. It's the same as the Twitter handle. Julian, uh, oh, wait, there's a follow-up tweet. Not that big of a deal, by the way. Just don't want to keep fiddling around with the podcast app, and then it's the emoji that's like crying uh, symmetrically out of both eyes, but not like the straight-down like waterfall <laughs> tears, like the, like the, the laugh sideways crying? tears. That's laughing. Yeah. That's laugh crying. That's laugh no. crying. Whatever. Um, I've never heard it referred to tear. as symmetrical tears. I don't know. I really like the one with like the waterfall tears. As a That's as like, an animation director, I appreciate your your language, David. Yeah. Anyway, Julian, uh, we would love to read your review on the, sh- on the show. Unfortunately, it has not popped up uh, in our iTunes. Um, maybe <laughs> if it's worth your while, I don't know. Take the expletive out. Um, although I feel like expletives have survived into our iTunes reviews before. Anyway, if not, I will happily add an expletive in at my discretion, uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, fighting in the war room, please leave us a review. Love to hear from you, especially now to go into commercial voice in this current moment. Thank you. In this current moment. 
where everybody needs to be safe. Crying mm-hmm. times. Uh, so as I promised, we're going to do a short, somewhat free-form episode here. But we should say from the beginning that we have one of our favorite kinds of episodes coming up. We've got a quarter quell, as you might have noticed from the numbers we're hitting. We're hitting our 300th episode, which is wild. Uh, and our plan is to do something different from what we usually do, rewatching a movie and talking about it. We want to do a call-in show. So uh, we haven't figured out the logistics yet, but it can't be that hard. Um like let me see how hard it actually winds up being um but anyway two weeks from um today when we're recording this which is monday april 27th we will have a call-in episode and we'll find a way for you guys to call in and talk to us about probably whatever you want i don't know we'll probably have to establish some kind of rules about what we're willing to address on the show If, oh, if no, we, if no rules. Put it in an iTunes review. I feel like you could say it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Monday, uh, May 11th uh, at uh, 9 Eastern. We will find the number to have you call. We will be here uh, and we'll go from there. Any, anybody else want to add anything? David, stop typing. Yeah, David, stop David typing. Sorry, I saw uh, someone uh, disparaging ER on the internet and I had to fix it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't edit it <laughs> out on the podcast if you type. It's like the ice um, cream at the end of the last time. <laughs> Uh, the ice cream. Oh, that's right. Oh, that was good ice cream. Calenti pumpkin pie flavor. It has like pumpkin pie bits in it. It is phenomenal. I, I, it's in a little bit of the podcast. I tried to put some music over it, but now everybody gets to know about the ice cream. I'm very excited. No, not the music. It's the explanation <laughs> of the of the ice cream in the podcast. It is. It should be. No, no. I, this is the podcast. We said this was a loose and short episode. We're yeah, I mean, if if you know, it's unlikely that someone from the Talenti company is listening. But Ooh. right now, if they want to become our first sponsor or oh just personally God. hook me up with free ice cream, it would uh, make my life immeasurably better. Anyway, we've done 300 episodes, and David is still typing over Katie when she talks. <laughs> Look, Patrick, we tried, we tried Listen, to cancel the episode. Like the first chance they gave the, the, the entire series. We're like, let's, David's gone, Katie's blame. gone, let's just stop it all. And they got yeah, mad at us. Please <laughs> blame Peter Labuza for likening Grey's Anatomy to E are with the qualifying word essentially and i'm not going to give you the context but it set me off i can't help who's talking when i happen to see these things someone <laughs> is wrong on the internet <laughs> i could just see you getting like a like a sniff of somebody being wrong about er on the internet like lassie and kind of perking up it's <laughs> basically how it goes sounds like our pandemic uh, so- update is that we're all losing our goddamn minds <laughs> oh my wait God. i i had a uh, i had a frightening episode this weekend that i think has of what VR? i what i hope is going to be not in the r although i did see many episodes of VR this weekend no um uh on so elise and i have sort of been dreading aces first sickness just like the helplessness of that and the paranoia that would inevitably set in i think a familiar fear to any parent um, and the other day he started coughing a lot. And then I noticed the tiniest, tiniest little speck of red, uh, that I could only imagine was blood on his bib. And I was like, Oh no. And the next carnage. day it was, could have been carnage. It was, uh, I thought if it was black, I was like, definitely the symbiote, but, uh, it was, watch out that. Um, that would have been my <laughs> first thought. Uh, but, and so I was a little worried and then I, he was coughing the next day, so we did a Zoom call with our doctor. We have great doctors at the Tribeca Pediatrics, and he remembered Asa from last call when he had an eczema thing. And he was like, 
you know, we did the whole thing. And then he was like, you know, he probably has a virus, uh, but for public safety reasons, you, you have to assume it's coronavirus. And I was like, and he was like, all right, gotta go. Bye. bye. And I was like, awesome. So, uh, as Asa continued to cough all weekend, I was like, <laughs> like I, he seemed otherwise totally happy and healthy. He didn't have a runny nose. He didn't have a fever. He didn't have labored breathing, although I was definitely on the watch for that. Um, but it was kind of unsettling and exhausting, making tribute to us all agreeing to this being a short episode. Um, and then today I had what I really hope is my first aha moment as a parent um, that uh, that I, I hope it does turn out to not be the coronavirus. But I'm 95 percent sure that I figured this out house style uh, that to go back to my medical shows. I was on a walk with him and he's like, you know, mewling and he's been uh, like learning things with his mouth these days and i put my finger in his mouth and he started like gnawing at it with his gums and he would not let it out of his mouth for like an hour as we walked around new york and i started googling around teething and then i realized that when babies are teething they are producing a lot of drool and spit and because they don't really know how to control that it goes back down their throat and forces them to cough a lot um and uh i think i finally put this together it explains this slight rash under his chin no one needs to know all this information but it was like mm-hmm. i was fucking house this afternoon on my walk around brooklyn <laughs> and uh a lot of panic uh resided and uh, as long as he doesn't develop other any other symptoms i'm feeling pretty good about my diagnosis man maybe i want to start rewatching house yeah <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time i've rewatched house because you could just leave off like really? the last two seasons i think even my grandmother just watching never watched house. house. All the time. Yes. Never watched it. Grandmother sounds like a cool lady. I mean, never house watched. is entertaining. He's a grump. Yeah, it's it was just, on for how long? That's all I got. Yeah, it was on for nine seasons. I want to say been eight, eight or nine seasons. But yeah, yeah. It's just... Olivia Wilde got her start on yeah. House. Mm-hmm. Well, she got. Her she start was also the on the OC. Yeah, <laughs> she was. Yeah, third yeah. season. She dated uh, Marissa Cooper. I never watched the third season of The O.C. I always assume that's why they made her bisexual on House is because they were like, you liked her on this coast. See her on the East Coast being a doctor. Mm. Uh, Katie, have you been watching anything? I mean, I know you have, but Uh, have you been watching anything you want to talk about? I feel like all I do is watch things. Medical mysteries. I give myself assignments to watch things right now, and I keep thinking it's a good idea, and then I keep stressing out about it, uh, which... Is just so counterproductive. I think I talked last week about how I stopped watching Westworld, which was great. Oh, liberating. What? So, so nice. It's what so liberating. I'm thrilled to not uh, watch Westworld anymore. Oh, I should talk it's about like the something. of robots. Yeah. Uh, I should talk about something that I have not watched in a little while, but I watched on screeners. Um, the Apple TV Plus series Home. Is this? Does, does anyone else in the world know about this? Is that the M. Night Shyamalan one? Uh, no, oh. it is the one where it is uh, a bunch of episodes about beautiful houses. Oh, it oh, goes great. around the world wow. and shows you like a house in Indonesia built entirely out of bamboo. And this one house in like Denmark, I think that's like built inside a greenhouse. And uh, it's Are great. you sure it's you like... didn't just watch 50 Quibis? <laughs> I realize I haven't canceled my Quibi subscription. That's a whole other disaster. Um, yeah, watch this Apple TV Plus. If you like HGTV and you like the episodes of things that are about like ridiculous houses that no one else could possibly live in, A World's Most Extraordinary Homes on Netflix is a similar genre of like amazing houses around the world. Um, it's like kind of overly serious, where it's like, here is the majesty of architecture. <laughs> uh, but if you like like well shot 
<laughs> but, images of but if you say if you've if you've given up on Westworld but still feel something missing in your life, <laughs> also I think the home episodes are like thirty minutes long, so it's half of a Westworld. Yeah. Uh, and but still, uh, still focus on architecture. That, and that's what you need. Yeah, that th- that is what this season of Westworld is about. Um, so yeah, watch that. I uh, well, I, have, hey, I find it. Very I have soothing. a question about this. Yes, um, Katie, do you have a line? Do you draw a line in the sand when it comes to? Like home improvement or home house hunting or or I, I assume that these shows are just kind of like pornography for the rich uh, and and extravagant. Um, but is there any type Which, of show that you cannot watch in this in that respect? I mean, most home improvement shows aren't. They're about like pretty normal. I mean, not always normal, but like you know, house hunters is like pretty average level of houses, and house hunters international is like people like li- like moving to. Copenhagen, but they're just trying to rent an apartment. I mean, there's there's some, you know, like the whole Joanna Gaines, like um, like that house renovation. Like those are houses in Waco that cost three hundred thousand um, dollars, but they are all renovated to this like same sheen. I don't know. It, it kind of depends I was, uh, on like, what do you ask? I, I asked. Yeah, I asked because the other night I watched something on HDTV called Island Hunters. Are you familiar with mm, island hunters? Yeah. Oh, I am. These are people who want to buy private islands in various parts of the world. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, like, I have no money. But how a lot of them are like, I want an island. island hunters? Like, I mean, a lot of them are buying like an island in the middle of a lake in Maine. Where like yes. they're still buying an island, but it's not like they're buying Richard Branson's island. Some people are though. The one episode oh. that I watched, they were in um, the Mandeves or something and buying a private island to start a resort, and it was like two super wealthy finance guys based in Mumbai. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't even, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I know how shows like that get started. Like, but it's just a, a weird pitch. Yeah. I want to buy an island with you guys. Well, I mean, uh, well, if we get yeah. that Talenti ad money, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, for I mean, our 300th like... episode, we should do a fundraiser to buy an island. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I like the um, Love It or List It, which is like one of the longest running HGTV shows and it's pretty gimmicky. But they, they filmed a series of episodes here in Durham and in Raleigh. And one of the houses is right down the street. Like I walk by it all the time. And that's, um you know, that's one of the more exciting things that's happened to me in television viewing in a long time. So everyone can come visit me and go see the Love It or List It house. Ooh, I wouldn't be come visit you. <laughs> and we'd have to draw. We could put our uh, like a FaceTime thing on a drone. And a face mask over the FaceTime camera, so it'd be like a funny joke. And then drone over to Katie's house. I did oh, wait, against I have my. One... Oh, I was going to say I did against my better judgment. Watch uh, seven of the eight episodes of Too Hot to Handle on Netflix this weekend. Oh. <laughs> uh, which I have to say, uh, you know, I was initially put off by by Vanity Fair's own Richard Lawson's review, uh, friend of the pod. All the other things that podcasts say when they talk about someone. Um, but uh, I, after indulging in Love is Blind and enjoying it, this seemed like uh, even trashier and more absurd. And, you know, that assessment is probably accurate. But Richard was writing about how he thought it was boring. And I have to say, as much as I wish I had Love Island as a point of comparison, um, I don't know how to watch Love Island. So I haven't crossed that bridge. But too hot to handle. It's... Uh, it's just stupid enough to be special. Um, I was going to name one last thing that I have watched, um, which is Little Mermaid. You've heard Ooh. of it. Um, 
I just like, I don't think I've talked about this in the show because I've popped back in and out of Little Mermaid a few times. But I just think about Ursula and what kind of exposure that was for our generation of drag queens, even though we didn't really know what that was. Like, I had not, I I definitely did not know what fine was. But like the idea of this theatrical over the top woman who looks just like Divine um, and has this deep, scratchy voice and like, you know, could be Harvey Firestein's voice, basically. Um, It's just incredible. What an amazing character. Like, it's so different from like the fade gay Disney villain. You know, you think like Scar and Jafar, like Ursula is this whole other imagination of a Disney character um, and is so fun to watch in um, When I Wear You Watch Little Mermaid on Disney Plus. It's too bad that Sofia Coppola never got to make an auteurist live action remake of The Little Mermaid as she was going to do before the current spate of Disney remakes. It would have been something entirely different. Uh, Who is making the one that's still in theory happening? I couldn't be less interested. I don't know. Good boy. (laughs) 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 Um... No, no disrespect to Mark Webb. Oh, that's, oh, it's uh, Rob Marshall. Rob oh, Marshall. Rob Marshall. Uh, All right. Some disrespect uh, to Rob Marshall. McCarthy is, is Ursula, which is fine. Jacob Tremblay, your boy, uh, is Flounder. My boy. My how, literal how, boy is my son. How do we feel in 2020 about Sebastian's accent? Oh, yeah. Sebastian's accent? He's like Jamaican. Oh, oh so, I'm it's sorry. Like, I was thinking of, uh, what's the fish? Flounder. Flounder. I'm like, yeah. Flounder? Flounder has Flounder is a normal cartoon voice. No problems with that. Yeah, Sebastian's definitely problematic. I mean, why, why is Sebastian problematic? Because um, it feels like not to be maybe of a... Uh, it's, it's not like an accent where it's like, a, this is a person's genuine accent. It's an accent where the jokes of the character are written in his dialect. Like, under the sea. That's not cool, necessarily. <laughs> It's a beloved um, song. Although I'm, I mean, I'm looking up a guy named DB. He's named Samuel Wright. He is a black man. He was born in Camden, South Carolina, though. I've been to Camden. They don't have that accent there. But I don't know. What, he might have what if, a legitimate claim to it. His family might be from Jamaica. I don't know. What if yeah, Jacob Tremblay was just like dressed <laughs> as like the same way he would if he were doing like a second grade school production of The Little Mermaid? He was just wearing like a latex, uh, latex blue bodysuit and like had yellow cardboard fins i would watch that that's, that's all i've thought <laughs> about for the Jacob last three Tremblay minutes of the segment. sebastian uh in yeah. the original voice that'd be fine that definitely now, that could be i could see that that wouldn't bother anybody yeah, yeah. yeah. really living up to this be like ariel uh, ariel your father is he'd just be a very concerned little high-pitched boy <laughs> voice just a very concerned also did you know that Jodie Benson's IMDb photo is oh, it's her in front of a big shot of Ariel, but Ariel is the like big image you see when you see Jodie Benson on IMDb. I That's mean, all. no offense to her, but this is her her big moment. This is her. I don't her think musical. it's any offense. I mean, to her. I think if you get to be a Disney princess, you're allowed oh, to yeah. lean into it. Yeah, she got to be. She got to reprise her role in Ralph Breaks the Internet. Ooh, yeah. Jody Benson is actually a wonderful person. We interviewed her on Polygon, I think last year, um, talking about Little Mermaid. I think it was it was an anniversary. When was that movie? Nineteen eighty nine. So that would have been the 
30th anniversary and she gave a great interview and talking about Howard Ashman um, really powerful words about a, a great composer who left us too soon and Howard Ashman I think has a big documentary that premiered at Tribeca last year two years ago that's finally going to make its way to Disney Plus this year so uh, relevant plug I suppose watch that movie Howard Ashman everyone should know his name uh, hey, that was me being earnest yeah uh, I found another dumb uh, tap-based app that I've been putting like a spare ten minutes into a day that you might be interested in based on tap-based app. Uh, why? Why would you feed into this dark beast inside of me? Well, because it's very uh, yeah. relevant with what we're talking about. It's called Disney okay. Collect, and you collect fake trading cards of Disney characters. You know, I'm really only interested if I can uh, fight them against one another, and there is a Disney battle game similar to the marvel and star wars games i've been playing but it is uh really as you might expect um dumbed down or aged down uh and Wait, i believe that you Disney can't even control David. you can't even control the characters you just pick who they are and then they automatically battle david so, really no wants, thank you. really wants more detailed fighting disney game okay we're gonna have to work on I, that i do i mean you know as much of a money-grubbing uh, you know, greedy app as the Marvel Strike Force is. Uh, it is very well designed, I must say, for what it is. Let me ask an important question yeah. to all of you, and I want to hear everybody's opinion on this. Who would win in a fight, Mickey Mouse or Daffy Duck? Daffy oh, Duck, right? No, Mickey Daffy Mouse Duck is like doesn't give a fuck. He's insane. Mickey Mouse has big no. glove hands. Mickey Mouse is like the Michael Jordan of of the Disney universe. And I, yes, I say that to try and push the conversation towards the last dance, which I have been uh, watching in two hour sports on Sunday nights, but you just like, it's the, forget the an, uh, animatomical and it, what the fuck anatomical <laughs> thank you again we're tired this is short the anatomical differences between the two he just wants it more he's coming in tongue out he's gonna work for oh, it he's yeah. you know oh, he's Daffy gonna Duck, he's gonna Donald Duck. um Wait, oh 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 that's different what yeah i, I still put my mind i'm with kate i'm with why katie would with mickey, daffy why would mickey fight daffy duck that's cross universe I, I, what do you yeah, what do you mean patches <laughs> i mean cross universe is kind of uh a bit over the top, but you Thinking should see my my Marvel team has Thanos fighting right alongside like Wolverine. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. But you know, you just gotta go with your most powerful guys. <laughs> All right, I'll stick with my original question: Mickey Mouse or Daffy Duck? Katie, Daffy Duck from the WB verse. Yeah, Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck is completely nuts, and he always loses. He's got this like anger that drives him. Mickey Mouse is like always used to like winning, and so he's used to, like sitting on his laurels. So if Daffy Duck entered his world, he would not know how to handle it. Daffy Duck can also be slapped hard enough to make his bill spin around his head, but he can readjust and come back to life. I think it would be very difficult to, to kill him. Yeah, uh, in terms of if you're first of all, if you're fighting a Warner Brothers character versus a Disney character, the Warner Brothers character always wins just because we have so much evidence of them being unkillable from like being blown up, being, you know, exploded, being squished. That's all Warner Brothers stuff. The Disney characters don't really get squished unless you go back to like, oh, I don't know, the early cartoons where it's like, look what we could do with these weird body shapes. But even then they danced more. So Daffy Duck. Wait, someone on this recording just got a disruptive, episode-ruining, yep, life-altering G-chat, and me. I want to get to the bottom of it. That was Joanna Robinson saying, I'm working on the John Slattery audio right now. There we go. Ooh, there's going to be John Slattery audio. Oh, not on this podcast. I just got a message from Joanna Tobinson, who said we're the straightest 
uh, latest <laughs> podcast. She knows. Ooh, that oh. reminds me, I need to get back into Mrs. America. I saw the first three episodes when they dropped, and uh, the, that's good. The problem with yeah, it's very good. But the problem with that kind of release strategy is that like you spend three hours the, the day that it comes out, and then it's hard to like get into a rhythm of keeping up with it, at least for me. But it's hard to get to a rhythm of any kind right now. Katie and I were talking before we started recording about how uh, we have like things on our schedule, which is a rarity this week, uh, not to go anywhere, but um, like I have two uh, conference calls, Zoom calls that are not like regular conference calls that I have, and I am having actual anxiety dreams about forgetting them. It's just, it's so hard to plan for something right now. <laughs> during like work hours or after hours yeah no i mean they're both work related um and they are during work hours i do but it's just i'm so i'm so like i've been deprogrammed of the last six weeks from well so you were on leave that really yeah um and it's like i you know i didn't think twice about checking into my weekly editorial 3 p.m monday meeting today but these like one-off events that I've scheduled with people, interviews and whatnot. It's it's like I've had to yeah, inter- write them like an FBI right ribbon chart on my wall to connect the clues and remember. It's hard. We're all sort of in a semi fugue state. Uh, what else, Dave? What are you watching? Uh, I I talked about Ducktales last week, right? Cool. So I can't do that again. <laughs> uh java's been rewatching Mad, or she did rewatch mad men out of order uh wait 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 wait. okay we we briefly touched upon this yeah i think on twitter uh uh-huh. it made me even angrier than peter labuza's tweet comparing gray's anatomy to er <laughs> watching it's like i, I mean how did you let this happen, and did you put a stop to it? Uh, I didn't even notice it was happening until all of a sudden Megan wasn't there anymore. And I'm like, are you watching this in order? She's like, no, I'm skipping around. And so I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to it, but I think eventually she watched all of Mad Men again because I saw the finale come around, and then I saw... Wait, but you say, again, she had seen it before? Yes, yes, she's seen Mad Men Oh, before. okay, okay. That's oh. different. She I just, definitely well, did worry she was watching it for the first time skipping episodes. Oh, no, no, no. no. She, she was re-watching, and then now she's uh, also re-watching Lost, because we did, like, a group watch uh, for my other podcast, uh, and she uh, remembered that she gave up sort of watching it uh, partway through season two, so now she's back on that, and she's now in the middle of season four. So my life is a lot of stopping and watching my favorite parts of those two series, but I don't think I've actively been watching anything that, I don't know, I've been dipping into like some of my King of the Hill and old uh, Disney cartoon archives. So I've been trying to, in my quote unquote spare cartoon time, uh, I have what I consider to be all the Disney shorts chronologically that I've downloaded over time. And I'm trying to figure out which one of them are on Disney Plus or not, because usually the Disney Plus uh, streams are the highest quality streams that exist. And so I'm trying to see if I, you know, am slacking off on any of like the goofy sports films and uh, whatnot and having good quality things of those. Uh, So far, I'm missing a lot from the 1950s and 40s, uh, which doesn't surprise me at all. 
Uh, I think they're definitely going to move, you know, 70s, 80s downwards slowly. But uh, that's only interesting to me and a few people who are interested in how Disney Plus works. Today they tweeted this thing where it's like, hey, you guys want to talk about Star Wars? Use the hashtag May the 4th. And then the reply to that oh tweet my God, was, yeah. anybody who uses this hashtag like gives up the rights of their tweet, read about it here. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Disney, even, I did uh, want to formally announce the... on this podcast that if you use the hashtag dark universe <laughs> I, I own you you know i so regret stopping myself from talking over patches when he was walking <laughs> towards the, the punchline of that joke um I, went, I was going to actually add some small iota of substance to what dave was saying which was that one of the lord and miller one of the Lord and Miller guys, I think it was Phil Lord, uh, tweeted, you know, who, who has ties with Disney, at least before they were severed and they were fired off the solo movie. Uh, he was like, what Disney's follow-up tweet was uh, un-American and illegal. Like, the un-American was, was more of a reach that I enjoyed. Um, but, uh, oh, you know what I wanted to shout out was, uh, was Normal People on Hulu, which I watched all of... Uh, on leave in anticipation of, half of that. working the energy up to write about it, which never happened. But did you like what you saw of it? <laughs> I loved it. I mean, it would be a very difficult show to write about or even have a conversation about it. So I, I haven't read the book, but if people have, uh, uh, my wife Michelle says it's, it's very close to the book and not a lot happens in any given episode. It's very much about small movements in these characters' lives. Um, it's directed by Lenny Abramson, who did Room. This is a lot more subtle, I would say. Um, it's just about teen romance, and then the Welcome further years down the line. to what? The world. <laughs> is that what happens in Room? I can see why you like the show. <laughs> Goodbye, Room. Uh, goodbye. Good night. Oh, good God. night. Don't. Toilet. I was going to say, like, you immediately switched the good night, uh, good night moon voice. <laughs> and, uh, I, another piece of media I consume several times this weekend. Um, the old lady whispering hush freaks me out every time. Hush, I, hush. She, well, the old lady what about whispering that hush. You'll become the old lady whispering hush. Don't worry about it. But I've no, at least it's like. Hush. It's his grandma, but I'm like, it's a frightening old woman from like the others sitting in the I don't corner. Think it's just she's, like the, she's like the nanny, like in um. No, it's his mother. Like in Peter Pan. It's what? definitely his mother. His mother. Is he no, because she, now have you read Runaway her, Bunny? Have you read Runaway Bunny? No, I'm not reading the sequel to be able to understand. No, it's Good not Night the Moon. sequel. It's not the right. sequel. I'm not it's reading like the sequel. This is like you telling me that like if I read the Game of Thrones books, I would understand the show. I'm, I'm only taking the text. In the Runaway Bunny. This, that story is about the bunny who keeps running away from his mom, and his mom is finding new ways to catch him. One of yes, them is yes, that yes. if, he, if he becomes a boy and runs into the house, she'll be there. And it's actually like a flash sideways law style into Goodnight Moon. Uh, okay, it is true. There is a little bit of spillage, but she... And in Goodnight man, Moon, there's an her, image of Runaway Bunny. They call her fishing. an old lady in Goodnight Moon. Which feels which well, feels slanderous believe, if she is not his grandmother. I can't believe you don't relate uh, to the old lady. Yeah, whispering hush. Oh, go to bed. Yeah, I go don't to bed. I'm just I'm just saying. I like I read it in like, a James Wan voice, like the old lady whispering hush, and then the rest oh, of the book is very peaceful. Anyway, uh, I think I, I really enjoyed the Normal People series. I think it's sort of a, a masterpiece of casting. The show itself is pretty it's like pretty close to the book and like the book i think sort of uh, dilutes itself in the second half before 
rescuing itself in, in the final moments. The I found the final episode, or at least the final 10 minutes of the final episode to be very affecting. But um, the leads in the normal people have just the most extraordinary chemistry that the source material really allows them to play with. They're both exquisite. I know neither of their names. Um, but And it's really hot. I mean, Aren't uh, they teenagers? Yeah. No. Well, yeah, they're in they high are, school. They both actors are well into their twenties. Um, okay, but they have sex in high school. Guys, I said I was going to cut us off at twenty minutes. <laughs> so much longer than that. So I don't, I, I'm not. I'm not recording a, on my own. We were thing, just so. getting into pedophilia. Uh, no. Um, uh, but wait, what happened? Okay, he's going to wrap us up. I'm trying to wrap us up. David oh, cut I, out, but I, I didn't. I didn't get to talk about what I watched this week. So I, oh, I didn't, I didn't want to leave it on the pedophilia note when I was <laughs> talking about normal people. Uh, I was just say, they have. Oh, God, sorry, but you finished, David. Again, I don't know why we randomly stopped me talking when you, you cut out. David, David. you cut out. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. Uh, we should we should make a note maybe here to say that David cut out and he can pick back up because uh, he doesn't want to end on the pedophilia note. Well, he doesn't want to end on pedophilia note, but he, you blanked out, and we were sitting in silence, and then Katie started talking, and then you kind of came uh, back in. That's what uh, happened. No, no feelings should be heard. Anyway, um, you were explaining why teenagers having sex is hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the actors have excellent chemistry, and uh, the show is uh, frank, both physically and emotionally, in the same way that I think it, it does really capture Sally Rooney's writing um in a way that is harder than it looks um and it doesn't quite find a fix for some of the weaker spots of the book uh but it doesn't need to to still be one of the strongest most coherent short-run shows what do they call them limited series that i've seen in recent memory um it's worth it's worth a look if you're into uh you know 12 episodes of hushed uh, communication, old ladies whispering hush uh, between young people who are hot. trying to figure out their own feelings for one another. All right, Patches, how about you? Okay, I'll I'll be quick, Katie. I promise. Um, I watched two spy movies Ooh. this week, and I would recommend them both highly. The one where Tom Holland turns uh, Will Smith into a bird. Uh, I still actually haven't sp- uh, caught spies in disguise. That's uh, something you would watch day. as a bit. Oh, wow. Rude. I don't watch things for bits. I'm a very sincere gentleman. The, anyway. the straightest, widest, most anti-spy podcast. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Patches. The first movie that I watched is on Amazon Prime. You can stream it now. It used to be on the Criterion Collection. David, maybe you've seen this film. I, I have doubts if Katie and Dave have, but I'll be pleasantly surprised if so. It's called The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. Anyone familiar uh, with yeah. this? It's, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's been pop- in the Criterion Collection for a while. Yep, and uh, directed by Martin Ritt, who is a Ilian Kazan guy and a super lefty. Um, he was blacklisted back in those days and came back swinging, made this movie based on a John le Carre novel. It is exactly what you'd expect from a movie based on a John le Carre novel. Really difficult to follow. I watched it like one and a half times and followed along with the Wikipedia page just to make sure I was 100% getting it. It stars Richard Burton in the iciest, drunkeniest performance. It's awesome. Um, he plays a spy who's getting burned on so many levels. There's different, there's lots of twists. It's very bleak. It's very much about how everyone in the system sucks. 
Uh, you got some notes of anti-Semitism in there for good measure. It's bad, by the way. They, they, that's the lesson. Um, and uh, I, I loved this movie, showed it to a bunch of friends who all hated it. Uh, Lacare was a huge uh, naysayer of James Bond, hated the Bond stuff because it betrayed spies in an unrealistic way. And his work, and especially this movie, feels like a reaction to to Bond and trying to be not mundane, but, um, you know, bureaucratic. And, and this is about communism, Some a period of time that I got to be honest, I don't know a lot about like what East Germany and Britain were up to after World War II and why the Cold War was happening. And I think this movie is about, well, maybe everything they were doing and spying on each other and killing people for no reason um, was pretty pointless and didn't really result in anything. I think that would be Lacare's uh, takeaway, having served in MI6 himself. Um, but this this movie, it's beautiful, black and white cinematography, even though it's 1965, could very well have been made in color. Um, and yeah, it's a banger. I, I wasn't too familiar with this film, picked it completely out of the blue because I just wanted some spy novelty intrigue and got, I don't know, uh, Richard Burton in this movie, I'm drawing a direct line to Daniel Craig, his bond, um, just close up of his eyes, twitching all internal. It's real heavy stuff. So that's the spy who came in from the cold and that's on Amazon prime. And then I watched a movie called the spy who shagged me. Has anyone else seen this film? <laughs> yes, I have. I believe I even saw it in theaters. This movie—they were still excellent. <laughs> um, we watched this on a way, and it, and it kind of like—is this still good? And yes, it is. Man, I really miss like sketch movies. It's not a tradi- It's not like a Monty Python movie or something, or or a Kentucky Fried movie sketch movie. But this is clearly a guy who just wrote sketches around a character and, and strung them all together. This movie's hilarious. Um, really dopey, really stupid, um, really probably collected a little dust in terms of uh, politically correctness, political correctness, but um, I, I gotta say, the Austin Powers holds up, and then I immediately followed it by watching Goldmember, which I remember being awful. And I don't know, guys. I laughed. I'm ready for Austin Powers 4. That's my take. really stupid Michael Caine works, even if the movie doesn't work around him some of the time. Is my I mean, the opening of Gold, Gold Member has Tom Cruise and Gwyneth Paltrow pretending, and then Steven Spielberg. It also has Kevin Spacey, unfortunately, Dr. Evil, but um, that is really funny shtick. That, that summarizes Austin Powers, Austin Powers pretty well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Fat Bastard would play today. Um, uh, I don't think so. I, uh, so I Married an Axe Murderer has been on TV a lot these days, which uh, I always enjoy catching up with, even though it's, I always forget that it was a really troubled production because you wouldn't think a simple rom-com from the early 90s. But then you remember there are strange details like Michael Myers playing his father as well as like this you know, Scottish cartoon of a man. And, uh, and then you, it's like sort of the start of the michael myers reputation for subverting his directors and trying to control every set that he's on and like completely changing the tone of the movie before he got to the point where he was basically just writing his own ticket and doing his own characters uh read the wikipedia page for so i married an axe murderer it sounds fraught well he <laughs> hired fun, fun jay movie. roach to be a, a patsy essentially oh, yeah. jay roach oh, interview yeah. with mark maron a few weeks ago when he was doing bombshell i guess it's months now i have no idea what time it is um but that interview is fascinating because jay roach was like out of film school and 
and Mike Myers just plucked him to, to direct Austin, the first Austin Powers and made his career. And yeah, Mike Myers just needed someone who would do what he was told. But Jay Roach also knew how to shoot and cut a movie, so that helped. Um, someone compared the uh, coronavirus response to the uh, scene in Austin Powers where the guy is waiting to be steamrolled and they cut back and there's <laughs> yeah. like 100 feet between him. And uh, I thought that was very apt. Uh, yes, give us Austin Powers 4. I know that Mike Myers is... He was. I don't know if this is still going to happen, but he was going to do a sketch show for Netflix. I think that information came out, but that that would be that would be good. I want to see him dress up again, and not on an ABC game show, which was the thing. Right. <laughs> All right, Katie, take us out. Guess it's time to go to bed. Uh, we'll be back next week with a. I mean, this. How long are we at now, Dave? You have the recording. Go oh, like you know, forty-five minutes. <laughs> a short <laughs> one. Much if a you call episode. it, if you call it a minisode, then it is a minisode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back next week with what will probably be a full episode, and then again in two weeks, call-in show, quarter quell, more details to come. Uh, well, you can find out about it by following us on Twitter at fitwr. I know I jumped ahead, but anyway, that's probably where we'll share it. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches senior editor at polygon.com i'm on twitter at mr patches we have a website fighting in the room.com where you can listen to the episodes that's it i don't think anyone comments anymore <laughs> uh, i'm david ehrlich a senior film critic for IndieWire, back at work uh writing about whatever netflix is releasing at the moment um and also i'm writing a long article i don't know how it's going to turn out about annihilation in terms of uh, again commercial voice our current moment this Friday, reading a lot about uh, Hella Cells um, and uh, Henry had a lax. Anyway, uh, if you uh, want to leave us a review, go on iTunes, Fighting in the War Room. Uh, we will read it on the show. It'll be wonderful to hear from you, no matter what you have to say. If you work for Talenti or whatever company makes Talenti, please, please, please uh, make sure you continue making your pumpkin pie flavor tw- uh, 12 months a year and uh, send me some. Uh, thanks. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter at DA7E. You can also listen to my Lost Rewatch podcast. It's called The Storm. We are on the season two finale this week, and we'll go on to season three next week. Same old, same old over there. Hatch, hatch, hatch. Uh, and I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at uh, VanityFair.com and on the Little Gold Men podcast, where this week we're continuing our rewatch series. We're on network. We're mad as hell, and we're not going to take it anymore, as it turns out. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And we're all on Twitter, as mentioned, at F-I-T-W-R, where you can tell us what songs you're listening to. We'd be happy to. Where you can stay tuned for more information uh, about the quarter quell. And I spoiled the part where I talk about the lightning round question. But Dave, tell it to us anyway. Yeah, that thing that you said. What's the song you like listening to these days? Let us know. Yeah, the thing I said. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back talking to you next week. I'm a savage, classy, bougie, ratchet, sassy, moody, nasty, acting stupid, what's happening, what's happening, bitch, I'm a savage, classy, bougie, ratchet, sassy, moody, nasty. A pump and then the gun.